What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Live Loud Life Podcast. My name is Dr. Antonio, your host of the Live Loud Life Podcast. Um, I co-own Live Loud Chiropractic and Coaching with my wife, Dr. Nichelle, here in Lafayette, Colorado. We've been here for a number of years now, and our big focus and goal is to help guide you to the adventurous life that you are meant for. We believe families deserve more from their healthcare providers, and if we can create stronger families, we can create a stronger community at home, and that's what we're here hopefully hopefully helping you to do. Uh, we see and help from a number of different issues um, uh, and ages from you know, newborns all the way up to uh, grandparents and uh, older populations that are trying to get stronger, that are trying to move better, that are trying to deal with maybe some arthritic pain, so on and so forth. Um, so if you're wanting to move better, feel stronger uh, and decrease your pain, hopefully we can help you do that. Now, that being said, today what we're going to talk about we this is a spin-off of one of the previous episodes which uh, I think will air uh, a week or two before this. But this was a direct reflection as to a, a patient interaction that I just had. So you know we're we're having this conversation and I was like we got we got to talk about this. I got to put something down about this. And this goes along with the corrective exercises and the accessory exercises that we talked about like as I mentioned in that previous episode, which is good, right? There's good there, there's there's benefit, especially when you're injured or, or dealing with something, to be able to isolate and work on some of our weaknesses and imbalances. Now, what we're going to talk about today, though, is the analysis, the analysis by paralysis of overcalculating and overemphasizing certain nuances about these exercises, and that getting you wrapped up and hung up without progressing, and. In particular, and I do this too to some degree, so I'm going to give you kind of like both sides. And again, what the answer always comes down to is context, the finding the right thing for the right person at the right time. And oftentimes I'll make an, uh, you know, a clinical assessment or a clinical judgment and I'll, and I'll suggest something and well, you know, you got to see how it works, right? You got to, you got you to gotta actually do it and see how it plays out. And, and sometimes I'm wrong. And, uh, you know, other times we just, Hey, we're like, Hey, we were, we were right there. We just need to, we just need to step to the side a little bit and do it this way or something like that. As Charlie Reingroff calls it a lateralization, right? Sometimes we just got to move to the side. So we're doing, we're on the right path. We're on the right track. We just need to step sidestep and do it this way for a little bit. And then we can keep kind of going forward. And so this particular individual, racket player, right? Tennis, um, pickleball, you know, those types of things. And was dealing with some hip issues, um, uh, which is not uncommon for those types of sports because there's so much um, decelerization and loading and rebounding that it is very challenging on the hips. Um, and, and that, as a side note, is something for because the pickleball seems to be a very popular sport in in kind of like my parents age uh not that it is only for that but if you don't have the conditioning to be able to do that last description of decelerization and rebounding so on and so forth it can it can be it could be potentially problematic um but anyway so hip stuff but then was also dealing with some flexion intolerant low back kind of like you know the the classic stuff that we always see that usually is a result of kind of getting hung up on something doing too much too soon too fast so on and so forth nothing nothing sinister by any means but yet 
flexion being oftentimes demonized of, hey, don't flex when you're doing something, uh, uh, was the was the overcalculation or analysis paralysis that he was getting hung up on. And again, so here's the other side. I do recommend not flexing the lower back for many patients, but normally this is when I'm seeing someone that is very acute and flexion is something that really sets them off. So it's one of those things like, hey, if flexion sets you off, wouldn't it be prudent to just not flex for a little bit so that we can downregulate and desensitize everything and 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 having the conversation about we will at some point and we need to flex the spine. But if you're going to pick up your kiddo or unload the dishwasher or something like that, it might feel a little bit better if you hinge more or squat more and so that it's more in the hips and the knees and the legs. But for this individual, trying to just reestablish like new hinging patterns, the overcalculation on what should be happening was getting him hung up and he was overcorrecting. So he was feeling, he's like, when I'm just basic hip hinging, basic hip hinging, good morning type of movement, it was eliciting back pain for him. And we're watching it and I was like, I really don't, you know, quite understand what's causing pain here because the typical flexion intolerant pain stuff that he was describing, he was not flexing at all. Um, and in turn, he was actually hyperextending. So as he was going through the motion, as he was hinging, he was being so cautious about not rounding or slumping his lower back that he was just overarching. So that was actually in turn creating a lot of compressive forces on the lower back, but also those muscles were just like locked in and that was more of the pain that he was experiencing is just those muscle contractions were just so intense and locked in that that was actually eliciting his pain. And so ultimately this came down to is just like he was kind of, you know, he, he was getting some of this some of these exercises from a PT and was just looking for a different perspective, maybe a little bit of more manual adjustments and things like that. And interestingly enough, we have not really done much of that because we sidetracked to the movement. Um, issues, if you want to call it. And what we started peeling off is, you know, I understand we're worried about flexion, but this is, this is no longer an acute or subacute thing. And when you're talking about chronic flexion intolerant lower back pain, like you got to start flexing and not being worried about that and microloading it. But what we wanted to do is still establish the movement pattern. So we changed, we changed the description or we changed the goal better yet. The goal previously was don't round your back. And so when he heard that, he's like, okay, well, if I don't round my, if I don't want to round my back, I might as well just hyperextend and go the opposite way. And that was creating a lot of, again, compressive force in the lower back and a ton of muscle tension that was then eliciting pain because the muscles were just, just rock hard locked in. And so, well, how do we get him to hinge then and squat and move without the overcorrection of hyperextension? Well, we had to change the description of what I wanted him to actually do, accomplish, and or in this case, feel. Because the question commonly is when they get home, even if you send a video or a description, is just like, well, how do I know if I'm doing it right? Well, how does it feel? Right? Are you are you able to initiate the feeling that we're going for? And what I always suggest, which is for any of you out here learning a new movement or anything like that, is 
you do two things. You do the movement and you internalize the feeling, right? What areas of my body are working? Do I feel balanced? Do I feel in control? Um, you know, if you're working with a great practitioner, they're going to kind of help you with these things. Uh, uh, but don't chase activation. This is this is the second part to this that we're going to talk about in a moment here. Uh, don't always chase activation. <clears throat> but then what I want you to do is I want you to film yourself. Set your phone up. Film yourself doing it. So you have now this external frame of reference. You have the coach's eye. So you can then immediately look at the film or the video, replay it, and, and look and say, okay, well, this is how it felt and this is how it looked, right? So now you have this other piece of information that is very vital to you putting those two pieces together and formulating the best new movement pattern that you can. And that is a fantastic way of learning newer movements and practicing things um, to get a, to, uh, to accelerate that process, if you will. Now, the so the act so sorry we're going to get to the activation so what we were focusing on is okay well we want to hinge right so how can I help you hinge better uh, and start to look at what we want for the hinge and so we talked about balance all we said was we talked about the foot tripod ball of your foot big big toe ball of the foot outside ball of the foot and then the heel right it's kind of like a tripod as you're going through this hip hinging pattern or a good morning or what would be like a body weight deadlift i want you to just to first and foremost first five reps is think about how your feet feel right do you feel balanced are you too far on your toes are you too far on your heels are you collapsing side to side good after about five reps five or six reps everyone can tone it tone uh tone in and usually find a pretty good balance point right okay next we're going to work our way up right uh, what do you feel? What do you feel your hamstrings doing? Right? Okay. Every time we go into a hinge, I feel my hamstrings kind of stretch like a rubber band a little bit. It's not intense, but I feel I feel that backside of my body kind of stretching and, and and loading, if you will. Um, and then you know it, this would be these are just examples I'm giving for this individual person. You know, if someone's dealing with knee pain or something like that, we would say, hey, do you feel how that pressure gets taken off of your knees or increases on your knees as we're going back and forth? These are all of these things that are super helpful. And by cueing certain feelings, that in turn then can help the individual when they're at home recreate the movement pattern that we're looking for, especially when you're trying to manage and monitor pain, but also trying to enhance a certain area. And this is where the kind of activation um, model, if you will, comes in. So we're working up and then I had him say, you know, he's so worried about his back. I'm like, okay, well, do you feel your back working? And he's like, yeah, it's, it's really intense. Like the muscles are like really rock hard contracting. I'm like, well, they should be. If we're trying to maintain relatively neutral spine and send to our hips, your lower back muscles should engage because they're preventing you from rounding. But that's the difference of over contraction and over arching. So then I'll encourage him, do one rep where you're arching your back. And he's like, oh, that's way more intense. Okay, well then do it the other way. Okay, that's a little bit more balanced. So now you really set the frame of reference of what like an over arching or over contraction movement looks like. So it's kind of like the good and the bad right away. And they can start to, again, blend the pieces together and put everything together to have a better understanding about what movement we're actually trying to look for. Now, then, and oftentimes too, 
adding weight to some capacity can really help enhance this, right? When you add a little bit of weight, you can enhance balance. You can enhance certain areas that you want to load more or increase to help them elicit that feeling too. So there is benefit to adding weights. And and this was part of our conversation because his previous PT said, I only want you doing body weight. Until you master how to do this, there's no, there's no reason to add weight. I don't buy that. I don't think that's good. I think there's plenty of times and places in which adding weight can actually be performance enhancing for the thing that we're actually trying to accomplish. So don't get too hung up on not being able to add any sort of weight until you understand how to do body weight exercises. Now the activation, this is the this is the second part of this. The activation, he was so hung up on like, well, I'm not activating the areas that I need to be activating. And while I talk about activations and, you know, having to entice dormancy out of certain areas, first and foremost, what you need to understand about activation is if you're moving through the motion somewhat... Uh, somewhat credibly, if you will, then more than likely you're activating, right? So for instance, he was talking about a glute exercise. This is your kind of classic Jane Fonda. You're laying on your side and you're, you're abducting or lifting one hip up towards the ceiling. He's like, well, I just don't feel like my, there's one side of my hip that's activating, but the other side is not activating. And I was like, well, is your leg moving? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, well, then it's activating. The muscles that you're trying to quote unquote target or activate if they're not, if the leg is not moving, then you are not activating. If you are moving, then you are activating. So don't get hung up on feeling like you have to have this burn or this intense feeling to quote unquote activate a certain area. Now, we might want to draw attention to certain areas because we know that they can be beneficial from a stability or force generating standpoint. 100%, there's, val- there's validity to that. But what we wanted to encourage is like, don't get over calculated by trying to be precise about activations in certain areas that need to be squeezed more or in, in, uh, engaged more and or not, because that was getting them again too hung up on the precision of doing something perfectly before he can do anything else. And then in doing so, that overcorrection or precision was was limiting his box so that anytime he was outside of that box, it was pain or it was bad or it was, you know, I need to go back. And so what we tried to do is just get more into a movement flow state. It's just like, hey, let's throw out activations, ca- calculations, overcorrections. And I just want you to get more into what you are familiar with, which is sport, right? He played tennis um, um, a, a lot and pickleball. So it's like when you're outside of, you know, maybe having some precision with the flick of your wrist or how you're hitting and aiming, there's precision in that and calculation. But when you're talking about drop steps and chasing the ball and deceleration, you're not, you're not going to be as calculated on that. Now, Many people will argue with this, and and I do agree with their counter argument to this. Is it's when we're talking about this is you've done it so much when you're an athlete that that calculation is running second nature, right? So yes, there is some benefit to practicing this. 
from a calculated perspective. That's why there's cone drills and different things like this where you're running and then you see a target and you need to decelerate and turn to calculate how to reach a ball and traject. Yeah, there's calculation, right? But what we're saying in this point in time, he is over-calculated, he is over-analytical, and I want him to just start getting back to play. So we were just doing some basic Cossack side lunges, side shuffles, drop step type of things to encourage the same hip hinging patterns that we were doing, but more in a real life movement so that he cannot overcalculate himself into this box of limitations, if you will. And we didn't even talk about activation. Don't even worry about activating. All I want you to do is touch target, come back, touch target, come back, run forward, touch back, hinge here, touch back, lunge to the side, touch your inner knee, come back up, lunge to the other side, touch your inner knee, come back up. So he was able to accomplish everything that we wanted to do with minimal pain and discomfort because we took out the overcalculation and the activations. Okay. So I think that's an important component because too often we get wrapped up into the rehab purgatory as Dr. Craig Liebenson um, um, uses. And and we get stuck there because we're worried about calculation and precision and you need to be able to do this before this and this. Sometimes it's beneficial to just run ahead a little bit, test the water, see what happens, create some encouragement, create some confidence, and then we can you know, come back and relayer in back and forth. But that's part of what the game is, is it's just this constant back and forth of trying to find the right thing to help move the needle forward without going too much, creating injury, but then also not like having something that's weighing you down constantly. Um, so that was just, you know, I thought to be a very critical sidebar and conversation that we had in his his rehab process this is only our third time seeing so a lot of this conversation groundwork has to be done early on so that we're not scrambling and playing this kind of like pickup game later on but too many people they're just okay we see an issue here's the protocol or the program that works for most people and you just need to do it right if you're not seeing results you're not either activating the right things correctly or you're not doing it enough or you're not doing it well enough, well enough. And so, you know, they, they almost feel guilty about their own progress not happening because they can't seem to activate and get things going, right? Where in my mind, it's not, there's not enough of a, uh, a goal or there's not enough enticement for the body to even want to do the thing because we're not challenging it. There's no novelty that would elicit an activation pattern that we would even want. And the isolated principle, while good from maybe a post-surgical and very acute setting, it's not as beneficial when you're trying to get back to a sport. Isolation is still fine, right? When off, you know, we see isolation oftentimes with bodybuilding, and you can still even isolate as a corrective or an accessory, as we were talking about. If you need something to kind of pick up, and it's it's slightly deficient compared to everything else, one hundred percent. But that cannot be the foundation of a rehab approach. And one last uh, note before we wrap up here, I want to talk about for the activations is understanding like what what we really even mean by activation, right? Activation, again, means the muscle is activated or contracting, thus in turn, moving a body part. As we already said, I'm not, I don't think, I don't think this side is activating. Okay. Well, like do the movement. Okay. Your leg moves. So the muscle has to be activated. Otherwise you would not have been able to complete that movement. Fair enough. Right. 
But when you're looking at discrepancies, he was basically like, well, this side is burning all the time. So it must be overactivated. And the other side is not burning. So it must be underactivated. And in my opinion, at least in this situation, the reverse is actually true. The burning side is the deficient side. The burning side is the side that is getting overworked from these basic leg lift exercises. That that means it is it doesn't have the capacity of the endurance to do all the reps, so it's 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 overworked. It's not that it's not activated, it actually is activated, it's just not strong enough, however you want to say it to be able to do all that and that in turn while it's burning. And then the other side, that's fine. That side is fine. So I would actually say the side that's burning more needs a little bit more time and attention. And and that sometime is the downside of these isolated exercises is you're doing something that's too isolated for the muscle's ability. Whereas when you're doing these side lunges, I'm still working the same hip components. It's just not isolated. So I have the surrounding help of all the other muscles, connective tissue, so on and so forth to help build the strength along with it. So that's kind of a just additional side thing we should be considering when we're talking about activations. So to recap, what we need to understand is sometimes being too precise, being too calculated, being too focused on certain individual regions and body parts and or movements before you can do more could actually be detrimental to the overall progress of what you're trying to accomplish, right? We have to keep the goal in mind. While it might not be good to say, Hey, if you want to end up playing tennis, let's just start playing tennis and kind of just like, you know, tinker around as we go. No, that's, that's going from zero to a hundred, right? We need to build more stepping stones. But at the same time, if you want to get back to tennis and yet you're just doing clamshells or isolated hip exercises because your hips hurt at some point in time, or you need to learn how to hinge because that's really important for hips and lower back. That's going to be a very, very long road to recovery. Now, again, because there will be someone who says it, well, what about this, this, and this? Yes, context. It might be important at the same time, but as we're saying, you cannot depend on that from a long-term perspective, and you have to be able to integrate that into the whole thing. And if it's if in 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 making sure that it's not slowing down or holding back the progress of your patient or client. So keep moving. Hips are important. I ain't gonna lie. Spine neutrality, hip hinging, important to a certain degree of context. It's okay to flex the spine. If it hurt in the past flexing for it, it's okay. And actually doing it more could encourage more spinal flexion and uh, familiarity with flexion and create some resiliency and comfort in flexion. But if you're going out and gardening for two hours, it might be prudent to hinge a little bit more so that it's not all in your lower back. You see what we're getting at here? explore, understand your body, start getting to a movement and a flow state and understanding that we're looking for balance and feeling to elicit, uh, so sorry, to, to complete the task at hand, change the task, make it more complex, add something novel, right? All of these things are going to help you understand your body better, how to move better, how to encourage more movement and ultimately feel better, feel stronger and move better. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Live loud. Thank you.